Welcome back, guys, to the Enablers podcast. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, guys, how's it going? So, guys, just starting off with like a more heavy slash serious slash a bit of a stupid thing that happened recently. What do you guys think of what happened in Twitter regarding Professor Dr. Muhaya's video about asking, was it Malay women or Malaysian women to act stupid so that they will end up getting a guy and getting married early? Dumb. Because <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing kind of blew up in Twitter the past week, hasn't it? And there's been like other people speaking up about it um, around my circles, especially the ones who are somewhat influencers in Twitter realm. I've seen them speaking up against it, putting their opinions about it. A lot of people are joking about it. A lot of people are angry about it as well. And I think a few days after, the professor actually took down uh, the video. I'm assuming because she got a lot of like hate from it. And my personal opinion is I think the whole thing is a bit stupid because it's just very archaic um, advice. And mm. though it might apply for some people in a very personal and specific context, if you know whatever background and the situation is, but as an overall like advice, I think it's just plain stupid. You know what's even more terrifying is that there are a lot of defenders to that view because mm-hmm. then I see a lot of people writing out on social media, Facebook, Twitter and stuff. The idea being that we were being too sensitive to what she was saying and not appreciating the essence of what's being said. People are saying that in Malay language, we speak with, what's the term? Kiasan. Kiasan in English is like flowery, uh, very, very flowery language, not direct. So when she said act stupid, she doesn't mean be stupid. It just means be more meek, be more restrained so that, you know, because men like women who are vulnerable. Men don't like women who are stupid. You just have to act weak, act stupid. So you need to calm the F down, people. That's what, she, that's what the defenders are saying. And there's a lot of movement in favor of that argument, which infuriates me. <laughs> okay, representing the men out there, you too. <laughs> Do, do men get intimidated when the girl is, you know, a very high achiever, speaks very well, seems to know quite a lot? Do you feel like uh, maybe she's not a person I would want to go for? I mean, she's my dream, but she's not the person I would go for because it'll be hard to keep keep it up with her, if that, if that makes sense. I mean, putting aside if you're a woman or a man, I think anyone who's achieving really well and doing really well in life and show some form of power or skill or competency is intimidating. <laughs> like if I have friends mm. who are really achieving really well for their age, I look at them, I'm like, I get, I get jealous. I get envious. I'd be like, oh man, I wish I could achieve just like them. And that's some level of intimidation if you want to call it that. So when it comes to yeah. the choice of what kind of woman or girl I would date, of course that comes to play regardless of gender. And it doesn't mean I wouldn't go for that person because of that. Rather, it's an yeah. attractive point, right? In a way that they're able mm-hmm. to do it. And of course, you feel intimidated because or maybe the other person will not look at you because you're not at their level. <laughs> if you're not at their level, it's like, why would they even mm. care for you, right? In a way. But that's you comparing yourself on one single aspect. Maybe it's just career mm. or maybe it's just money. But there's so mm-hmm. many things when it comes to relationships. What I, what I struggle to understand is why is it only one-sided, right? Like, why is it always the burden on 
the woman to find her match. If she's not finding yeah. someone, it's because of her fault. When in truth, it is two ways. It takes two people to be together. If True. there are many women who are still single, there are still equally many men still. So why is it always... I mean, it goes back to the whole thing that it's always the woman's fault for things not padding out the way that they should. It's always the woman's fault for being, you know... Let's not go into this whole topic because it's quite heavy. It's always <laughs> women's fault, especially in developing countries where mentalities are still quite archaic and patriarchal systems are still very, very reinforced. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to the enablers, guys. Today's going to be quite a serious topic. <laughs> but yeah, Karin, go ahead. <laughs> okay, here's my opinion. What she said may apply to whatever setting that she's trying to go for as in her audiences that she's trying to approach but i think it's very it's a bad choice for her to upload it to internet because everything on the internet you have to be taken at face value because you cannot have a conversation with the person to understand what her um backstory is what where is she coming from with that statement because i feel like that kind of thing is something that you have to have a conversation about because maybe she has something that is quite valuable maybe Mm. she doesn't i don't know yeah i'm sorry i mean as you're saying that my mom just forwarded (laughs) something to me still substance from her which i'm showing on screen right now she says sins which are not forgiven by god is the reason why your child turned up turned out a mess Okay, okay, I'm going to give it a little uh, bit but if I doubt not because maybe maybe some reporter is taking something out of context. I don't know, but she's been she's not been great at this. <laughs> no, let's face it. I mean, there's there's a common trend now. Malaysians love publicity. Negative publicity is still good publicity. She probably was on the verge of irrelevance and needed some more following, right? Because at the end of the day, what does she do? She's a professor, she's a doctor, but she also has courses that cost hundreds of ringgits to participate in for you to learn some of her principles and stuff. So yeah, I mean, she's done a pretty good job of making herself relevant again in the midst of all this chaos that is in this country. So yeah, kudos to her because at the end of the day, she's still not cancelled yet for some reason. Because we, she knows she has a strong following. If she were to say this in some Western country, she would be outright cancelled, obviously, because these are mm. not values which are as widely subscribed as it is here. However, yeah. So um, it's hard for me to try to rationalize the, the, what she's saying, because not only the ex-stupid part that she had said earlier, but also the probably pseudo-scientific statements that came out of her mouth, i.e. <laughs> if you're too ambitious, then you're, you will likely have a higher testosterone level, which will deter you from finding your match, which, I don't know, Kyrene, as a scientist yourself, what do you think about that statement? Um, she's not all wrong, but it's not because of the more high achieving you are, the more high testosterone, the more you're in power, as in the more you have to make decisions and um, having to you know, become a managing director of a small company. And you, when you have to be in power, you, can, you cannot let your emotions in. So it's not the matter of inc- an increase of testosterone. It's just your balance might be a little bit on the higher end, but it's not that you have a high amount of testosterone that you become a guy. Yeah, I hmm. I think she's yeah. leading towards a point in her opinion, but the video uploaded and the one shared around just doesn't get to the point. The connecting the dots, the logic points are too far apart and not described mm. well enough. But having said that, you did mention that she's she's a figure, she has a public following. But is this 
one mistake, mm-hmm. because I've never heard about her before this, is this one mistake mm-hmm. enough to warrant her being cancelled? And I, I guess the question here is, what, what does it mean to be cancelled, really? I think she will be cancelled by certain people because when the values are not in line with certain people, they're not going to go forward. They might not give more benefit of the doubt if she keeps going on like this. But then I'm not going to be surprised if there's a community that will support her based on that statement because that's what they believe in. So mm. I don't think cancel culture is a a black and white thing as in mm. it's been canceled like she's been canceled or he's been canceled and that's it never again unless it's something that is very you know i don't know that person has molested a kid there's no way mm. he or she will be somebody that people give the benefit of the doubt with that that's just wrong well c- correct me if i'm wrong because i have very shallow knowledge about what it is uh what cancer culture actually is but from what i understand Cancer culture is basically when someone of a somewhat of a certain public influence uh, says something in the social media space, which enough people disagree on, that they get cancelled, as in they get unfollowed, and yep. their uh, reputation is then turned on its head. Right, where instead of yeah. having a good public image, they now have tipped it over that their overall. Uh, public sentiment is on the negative, but not necessarily that they will entirely lose everything, but they will lose a huge part of what they had mm. before. A- am I right understanding that? I think you're right, Riz, because cancer culture is essentially people withdrawing the support for many public figures, but it could be anyone. And this is done on social media. You do something wrong, you you say something that is unethical or morally incorrect, and then people just get infuriated and people will start a movement against you. And these things could lead to very negative ramifications because when you lose your support, you lose your fan base, you are cut off, people stop endorsing you, products stop relying on you to endorse your products, which means a lot of your revenue sources become cut. So for mm-hmm. public figures, it is very important now to make sure that you you manage your reputation well, you say the right things and not be stupid on social media, right? Because people are very, very quick to like pass a very negative judgment for what you do, especially with the pandemic now that more people are leading their lives online. I think it's very sensitive. I wonder how much effect the public figure gets when cancel culture is set upon them as in, is the downfall or part downfall that they are getting as in, you know, what you said about uh, companies not endorsing them and part of their, what potential customer might not want to join their um, service, the products, whatever. I wonder how much it affects them financially and emotionally and how they manage to bounce out. Because there are a few people um, who were canceled quite a few times and still managed to pull through. Mm. Case number one, Donald Trump. I think he's a perfect example of someone in the public domain being effectively cancelled for the riots he incited and for the chaos that he caused in the US after Mm -hmm. losing the elections, right? And yeah, right now, he has been silenced from public uh, social media. We haven't heard of him on Twitter and no longer, you know, the rage that he causes with the caps lock on his tweets. And I think that's great. So that is, I think, my my main example of effective cancellation 
Number two, you have the, the like of um, Tajuddin, the ex-Prasarana chairman who got cancelled after his um, fiasco. And I think that's another effect of uh, effective cancellation as well, right? Because I don't know the extent to which he would have been equally forced to step down or sacked from his role had he not had there not been as much public rally against him. But I think that's seriously helped. Where it's not been effective for cancellation, I feel is in the example of stuff like Nilofa, for example, uh, Nilofa's constant breach of the SOPs because she's, you know, far and above the law by virtue of her status. No matter what she does, people still, still seem to support her and her business is still flourishing. And I think that's fueling her desire to, to get that kind of attention more and more, knowing that the effects of cancellation from a small segment of society is not enough for her to, to be rendered ir- irrelevant. I think from what you've said so far, Maga, you do paint a picture that cancer culture is somewhat a positive movement or a positive power in the social media space, right? Because technically you're giving the power to uh, the unknown people, the ones who are behind the curtain, who you don't see their faces, to actually take down any kind of power or public figures which have a negative impact morally, ethically, socially, a negative impact towards the people, right? And back then, unless you were of someone who had some kind of influence, you wouldn't have such power to actually even uh, suggest or garner the collective will of people to actually boycott a person effectively. It's, it sounds like it's a positive thing, but I think from what I've heard of cancer culture, at least from the media and from what I've read, it sounds like cancer culture is actually a negative thing. So what's the, what's the other side of the argument? Then? Why is cancer culture a bad thing? Because from what I've understood, cancer culture is not just the boycott of public figures who have an active impact, but it's the culture of chasing down, preying on people's, um, well, either insecurities, weaknesses, or just minor mistakes, which doesn't really warrant the cancellation, the total cancellation of their career or what they're trying to work on. But instead, people are just getting into a mob of, yeah, let's try to get these people down because now they have such power when they before this did not have. So what, what do you guys think of that then? This, is, this was my follow-up question that I was going to ask Mugat because he was talking about how uh, this professor got cancelled and then the um, Prasarana uh, retired person got cancelled, ETC. I was just trying to figure out how does a person get cancelled? Is it based on their opinion? Is it based on their action or is it based on someone is not agreeing with whatever he or she said and suddenly there's a movement because what is is saying, people are just wanting to be in this position that is the loudest and that is more controversial, but also mm. following the crowd. I think it's all that, right? Like anything you do, be it what you say, what you believe in, something that is synonymous to who you are. And if people don't identify and don't vibe with that, then chances are there's going to be a movement of cancellation. And like going back to Riz's question, on the negative light of it, I don't deny that at all. Because as much as, you know, 
there is some benefit of being able to hold people accountable for the things that they say when the law does not. I think there is also this kind of mob effect that comes with it. And that's where I, I found this topic to be interesting because there are two sides to cancer culture. One is the holding people accountable, the other being a state of anarchy and the state of maybe unnecessarily punishing people for something small that they may have said, in spite of all the things that they have done, which are beneficial for the overall community, even if the benefit outweighs the cons of what they say, like, do they warrant being cancelled? especially in a fairly aggressive manner in which most people on the net are nowadays. Because, I mean, taking back the example of the professor, Dr. Mohaya, right? Like, I'm not trying to put a judgment value on what kind of person she is. Like, to be fair, she might have done so many good things, positive things, which outweighs a lot of the things that a lot of individuals in society does anyway. But because of this one video where maybe the scripting was wrong, maybe she had a bad day, or it was just put out of context, that is in terms of ramifications, large and huge for her negatively, that we then judge her as someone who is worthless and should be cast out of the society. I feel that that's a bit of a huge judgment to make from just this one incident. But we, we, we take her action as, okay, doctor, I think we can both agree that that was stupid. <laughs> let's take out the video. Let's <laughs> not do that again. But for us to, as a society, collectively say, oh, she's like coaching um, up, like she's not good at all. I feel that it's bad. I don't think that's, um, yeah, I think that's a very horrible side of cancer culture, right? Because you're saying that someone has to be perfect, which we all know we are not. Okay, here's my controversial opinion about cancel culture, or uh, I can just play the devil's advocate. I don't think it should exist to a certain degree. I think it's been blown out of proportion. I generally think it is good to have people with different opinions, different ways of doing things, as long as it doesn't jeopardize the response. As in, I'm trying to say, if you are ahead of um, you know, transportation and then you have this accident and people are dying, then if you're not doing your job, then fine. That's, that's on you. Um, you're not doing a good job. But I'm saying that different opinions is what brings discussion and giving you an idea to see how are mm. people thinking. And to an extent, it can either grow you or even change your opinion on certain things because those are the things that we look for in trying to have a conversation because you, you're we're not the same. We're different people with different views and different experiences. Mm. Um so I'm not defending anyone, but I'm just saying some of the science things that I do, we've invited quite some controversial scientists into um, giving talks and um, presentation, not because we want, you know, maybe our, our idea is not to collaborate. We just want to refute back and forth, to see why are you thinking this is the way that the immune system works? This is not textbook. This is not how we understood and when you get to see all this evidence and where they're coming from, then only you realize I've been thinking underneath the street lamp. I'm only seeing what I am seeing because that's what I wanted to see. So you don't get this different views and then you just cancel the person for the sake of them not having the same values as you. Then yeah. what good of you trying to justify what every, everyone is saying? Yeah. And I think 
that's where we enter the gray area, right? Where cancel culture doesn't necessarily apply. Cancel culture works if everything is black and white. If wrong, if what's right and wrong is easily discernible. But in your case, and in many other instances, it's not black and white. And that's where jumping into this mentality is quite bad because then you don't see both sides of coin and then you lead a life of just assigning is this good or bad? If it's bad, I'm going to cancel the shit out of it, you know, and I'm a <laughs> professor on Twitter as part of my performative yeah. wokeness and stuff. Like there are clear cut wrong things that need to be called out for. And I think it's mm-hmm. good if you rally behind that. But for the gray area, I think it's important that we maybe deliberate a little bit more and be more cautious. Mm, sorry, Magat, you mentioned performative wokeness. <laughs> sorry, what is that? Yeah. I'm not woke enough to understand that. <laughs> yeah, so this is me trying to insert the second segment of our podcast, performative wokeness. So, okay. Wokeness is being aware of the social injustices. And performative wokeness is you then showing your awareness and your support against the injustices that are happening in this world. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I think I am a privileged person who is acquainted with the fact that somewhere someone is completely being marginalized. I'm going to just sit on my couch and express a view about it that is for the movement to champion marginalized communities. And then Mm -hmm. that's it. It's all a show. And I think this is where, you know, people like Obama even say that, you know, all this call-out culture, performative wokeness and shit isn't actually genuine activism because it has almost little right. to no effect in actually changing the, the whole uh, situation. The, the, because social injustices are typically so ingrained and difficult to un, unravel, to, to reverse, that you tweeting something about it or expressing your view doesn't necessarily qualify as proper activism. If you actually believe in the cause, then maybe you should be doing more than that, especially if you have the capacity to make change as opposed to just professing your view on the matter without actually affecting any real physical tangible change. But that's not what I'm saying. That's Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Good disclaimer there. Disclaimer. Okay, but what do you think about people not joining the wokeness and then being cancelled by their friends because they didn't say anything God about man. it. God like that, man. God. What is that? You know, the whole, you know when the whole um, Black Lives Matter happened? Oh, okay, go on. You know, if you don't post something on Instagram, everyone will be saying like, oh, she didn't post anything about it. She's a celebrity or she's whatever. Oh, or, really? Or she has like Just, a great followings. Like, why is she not posting I don't know, a black screen on one of her posts. I feel like in some ways they are pressured by their surroundings to post something about it without understanding or knowing enough to make an opinion of it. I think I think from what you've said and I've not been in that space to hear it enough, but it sounds stupid to me. The <laughs> reason I'm saying that is because if someone doesn't have an opinion because maybe they're reserving uh, their voice to observe and understand it a bit more, mm. if people force on an opinion out of it when it's not fully matured, mm. then that's when you get half-baked opinions, right? That's how you get stupid comments, <laughs> stupid opinions. And that's what you not want because silence is golden in a way. 
Because if you don't fully understand something or you don't have a proper opinion on it, especially if you just observe and understand it further. But mm. I, I wanted to say that I like how <laughs> our generation, millennials, Gen Z, younger people, like to create all these new words and toughs <laughs> to like complicate things. Because from what you said, Mangat, what Obama said about difference between performative wokeness or color culture versus proper activism, to me, it just looks like it's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Because someone who sympathizes it will talk about it. They can say, oh, it's really bad, but never really take it take action, resolving it or fixing it, right? Or helping the situation. Whereas mm. someone who has empathy would actually take action and do something about it because they care enough. Mm. And it's just that difference, right? Where someone mm. is then looking at you like, oh, that's really bad. But then a few days later, just forget totally about it and don't do anything about it. Whereas the actual activist heroes, the people who mm. are like put their sweat, blood and tears into it, actually trying to change the world, then get drowned out by all these loud people who doesn't really have any kind of substance. Mm-hmm. That's golden. You're not cancelled, Riz. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is scary, though, the fact that a small group of people, vocal enough, who can yeah. put extremist views or very emotional, charged opinions, can drive a larger people to cancel you. Or affect you. It's scary that the platform but, technology is allowing that. But that's that's just how it is everywhere. Is if you so we I had this conversation with a colleague recently on how mm. during meetings the person who is the loudest and the person who talks over everyone, or well, not all the time, tend to be the one who's making the decision, and everyone just follows, heard it through. It's always the one who is mm. the loudest in the room you know, talk a lot of with like strong words or uh, gravitas, if you may Mm. say, is the one that people will be looking at, especially when the people are not, you know, not aware of how uh, the the data of something or how the opinion was made, then just follow for the sake of following. So it's not just technology. I feel like that's everywhere if you want to see it. I agree with what Kyrene is saying that well, cancelling someone in terms of just speaking louder in the meeting room has always happened and will always happen. But I think the difference uh, now is the scale of it, which is powered by technology. Because you can be the loudest without anyone actually knowing who you are, what your background is, who you are as a personality, uh, what you do Mm -hmm. as a living. And you may be vocal about an issue that you may not necessarily have any kind of expertise on and the accountability on it is very small because I can be very vocal about the US elections and about the Democrats and Republics being a kid from Malaysia who may not necessarily have any kind of ties to the US, cultural history or even experience over there. But if I become vocal enough, use the right hashtags on Twitter, tag the right people, I can stir some shit up, <laughs> basically. And that's the level of power that technology like Twitter, Facebook, all this social mm. media is providing you. And if mm. I am someone who has a bit of money, I can even pay ads to put presentations about how I think people should not vote for Biden, for example, yeah. and then point yeah. it towards the flat earthers groups in Facebook, for example. That's all in the mm. fingertips of my hands. And that's the power yeah. of 
uh, um, technology that's providing us, which makes cancel culture scary, I think. Have you seen the video of Anonymous attacking Elon Musk? No. No. Oh my God, you guys should check that out. Basically, Anonymous is this group of, um, I don't know what they are. I think they're like hackers or um, yeah. basically some dark web kind of vibey people. I'm not describing <laughs> this very well, but um, putting a video out, attacking Elon Musk for being a hypocrite, for for being a crook and being a bad person, for gaming the market mm-hmm. with crypto and everything. And, you know, deliberately causing the crashes in cryptocurrency to the point where I think Anonymous has had enough and kind of given a warning to Elon Musk Basically, watch out. Um, something bad's going to happen. We got our eyes on you. You got to be. You, you should be scared, kind of thing. Probably not doing a good job at summarizing the video because I watched it a few, like a week ago, I think, or was it this week? As soon as I woke up on on Twitter. Uh, yeah. But the the point is, like you said, Riz, people now can even do all this advocacy work, being completely anonymous because nothing's on the line for you, and there it just encourages the pro- proliferation of noise and you know all this movement against for or against which is unidentifiable to to a person and whether that's good or bad i don't know because you know if you don't put your face to it that means you can't even be held accountable for some of the opinions that may not necessarily be right or wrong but could create a very negative spillover to the people around you So that has been quite an interesting conversation. I think, um, you know, it's it's a topic that I feel could have, you know, gone a, a lot further and cover all the nuances. But let's wrap things up. I think the most takeaway point to me um, off this podcast is regarding the fact that everything on the news, social media, it's all curated on how the person who's writing the article, the person who's writing the tweet um, are envisioning. So always, you know, as I always do, take things with a grain of salt. You have the power to look for more information. You have the power to look for more data. Um, Sure, have a conversation with somebody that is disagreeing with you. Don't shy away and don't just have a conversation to win, but have a conversation to understand. And that's where I'm going to go with. Yeah, I agree with what Kyrin said. And the aspect of social media, which I think is the platform where cancer culture came from, is the aspect of lack of discussion and dialogue. Whenever we talk about such controversial or extreme topics or very serious topics, where people are just very emotionally charged, they have their opinions, they want to put it out there, and then they get the retweets, they get the shares from other people without the actual dialogue without the actual desire to understand and deepen their knowledge on the topic. And I think that's very dangerous. And that's the aspect of cancer culture, which I don't necessarily like because you're affecting someone's life, a real person's life out there without necessarily fully understanding what you're canceling. So be compassionate in the sense that take the time to understand fully before you even put any kind of judgment value on a person. I feel. Yeah, and just to chime in on that, I think cancer culture is not all bad. If there are black and white items to be dealt with, mm. by all means, you know, you could profess your views and if it helps 
um, reverse some of the injustices that are happening, by all means. But please do recognize that the world is not all black and white. There is a huge amount of gray puddle somewhere in the world that requires a little bit more attention and a little bit more deliberation. So just be mindful about that. And that's it from us for today. If you have any views on this, uh, please do tweet it to us on the enablers pod or yeah, check out Instagram now. We've got pictures in the tiles. It's alive, people. Until then, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.